0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of Our Heart for Teaching. Today, I am joined by guest Rebecca Garcia. Rebecca is a wife, math teacher, fourth generation Texas Longhorn, and a competitive tennis player. Rebecca had originally planned to use her Spanish degree to attend law school and specialize in immigration law, but her journey took her elsewhere when she began tutoring bilingual elementary students. Rebecca is currently pursuing a master's degree in educational technology at Texas State University, working remotely and traveling the United States in a camper while still tutoring math and writing curriculum. Today's episode is all about how you can enjoy what you do in the classroom and convince even the toughest of minds that they can be successful. Thank you for joining us and enjoy today's episode with Rebecca Garcia. Hello, listeners,
1: and welcome to another episode of Our Heart for Teaching. I am so excited, and we are in our second episode of Season 3. Tonight, I am joined by Ms. Rebecca Garcia. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Hi. I'm doing well. How are you tonight? I am so excited, and it is so good to talk to you again. I can't wait to get to hear more of your story. So thank you for being here.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm also very excited to be here, and of course, a little nervous.
1: Oh, this will be fun. I was terrified my first time. So yeah, but it's so fun. So why don't you start by introducing yourself to our listeners. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what kind of things you are doing in education.
2: Okay, so you already said my name, right? Rebecca Garcia. Um, And I have been teaching math, specifically middle school math for about six years. So um, what's crazy is that I did not originally start out in education. I actually got my degree in Spanish. Um, And that's always, I feel like everyone's number one question is how in the world did someone who got a degree in Spanish end up teaching math? And I'm so glad you asked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So basically, I I wanted to go into immigration law, um, but I volunteered at an elementary school tutoring bilingual students. And I just in love with it and just decided my junior year that i felt like i was called to be a teacher um so i ended up just going ahead and graduating and i ended up getting a job teaching algebra one in eighth grade in slugerville isd um and i taught there a couple years before kind of jumping around the austin area but uh yeah so but like I said, I've taught like sixth grade through algebra one. And then um, I'm currently finishing up my master's in educational technology from Texas state. Uh, so I graduate in May. Hey. And I know I'm so <laughs> excited. I'm like, okay, almost done. Here we go. Uh, and then what else? I'm sorry. I feel like I should be more eloquent, but
1: uh... <laughs> oh, you're talking uh, to oh. like the least eloquent person ever. So <laughs> it's all good. <laughs>
2: I appreciate it. And then as far as like what I'm doing now, so this year I ended up transitioning out of the classroom um, and decided to become a tutor. So I tutor for Prodigy, which is a really cool international company. So I'm still tutoring math. um, And then I'm also writing online math curriculum, um, which I have always wanted to do. um, And I'm really enjoying it. So it's been really cool to work remotely Um, Especially because my husband also works remotely. And so we're just kind of traveling around the United States in our camper, you know, doing the thing, living life. I love that.
1: And the fact that you work for Prodigy, I know, like, in my reading classroom, when my students should be reading, they're always like, can we play Prodigy? No, it's a reading class right now. So I mean, says <laughs> a lot about that, that they love it so much and very cool to write curriculum. So you started out as a Spanish bilingual. What was that degree you said? Just Spanish. Yeah, it was just, just Spanish. A, like a, Yeah. Spanish and then degree. I relate to that because I was like a senior in my senior year when I totally switched majors to elementary education from music education, which made me have to redo all of my education classes. So oh. did you switch your major or did you just finish out and then go back and pursue like an alternate certification?
2: So I decided to finish up um, because when I decided that I wanted to become a teacher, I only had about a semester left until I graduated. So I decided just to go ahead and graduate and then get my go the alternative certification route. So, you know, I passed my content exam um, and then, you know, applied for a probationary teaching certificate. And Lugerville ISP took a chance on me and gave me my first job. So shout out to Dessau Middle School.
1: <laughs> and then my other curiosity, because you're similar to me in the fact that you started with elementary babies right? and liked it. But you didn't end up in an elementary school. You ended up with the junior high, the junior high age group. So was that a shock for you the first time that you started working with these older kids? So a little bit. um,
2: So my first job, so I graduated early um, from college. So, um, you know, I graduated in December. And so the first job that I got right out of school was working for Sylvan um, because what they were doing is they were taking people who were willing to tutor and putting them into schools in Austin ISD. So I ended up, they, they ended up because I was bilingual. They were like, great, you speak Spanish. We're going to put you in basically like this newcomer class. Like it's basically all these kids who just came here. Um, and it's, you know, like a a, a contained ESL class basically, but just mm-hmm. for math. And so it was like sixth, seventh and eighth grade. And so they are just like, you're gonna go help the long-term sub who's in there because the current teacher's on maternity leave. So I did that for like a whole semester. And so that is how I even thought to do math because, you know, again, I was like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I know math, but like math teacher, you know, but I'm telling you, baptism by fire, that whole semester, I mean, it was like student teaching, except a lot more chaotic, you know what I mean, because there was like a long-term sub, but like, I still was able to go to like all the planning meetings with other like teachers and help gather like resources, and I even got to like help, well, I mean, I was interpreting and stuff too, so it gave me a lot of experience, and it just kind of made me decide, yes, middle school, which you know, we're all a little crazy. Like, you know how it is. You're a middle school teacher. Like you have to be just a little bit crazy just a little. To, to kind of <laughs> to do that. But I was like, yes, let's do it. And so that's, that's how math and middle school came to be.
1: <laughs> I absolutely love that. And like, like you say, you have to be a little bit on the, you know, the crazy side to want to do middle school. And everybody, when they talk to us, they're like, Oh my god why and it's like but they're the best like they're their own breed and they have such an amazing energy and weirdness and crazy and fun and chaos that they just bring all in once that it's just fun like i love I never thought I would be middle school either. And they actually scared me the first time that I saw them. (laughs) So my first middle school interview, the principal's like, you said you're scared of them. I said, I said, I was in the beginning, but then I got used to them. (laughs) And now he's like, (laughs) but he, he totally wrote off that part. And it's like, no, now I like that. I can't imagine like, they're so awesome. So I love that. Thank you for sharing, Rebecca. That's an awesome story. And I I, I like that you have come full circle with that. And it's fun how math sort of discovers you and like you, you fall right into that. Like, that's awesome.
2: Yes, 100%. And I'm kind of glad that it happened that way, just because like, I don't know, I just, I feel like I always say like, God has like a sense of humor, just because math was like the bane of my existence in middle school. I cried every night over math it was just not my friend you know it was what we would call a hot mess um and so for me to become a math teacher is like the world's greatest irony um but it it works because I can tell students they're like oh well you're a math teacher like you just don't understand that this is hard and I'm like uh been there done that let me tell you I have shed more than a few tears my
1: friend exactly Well, that's a great transition into talking to us about what your school life was like. So math, obviously, was a challenge uh, for me too. Yay. (laughs) Um, But like you say, it's like, Now we can bring that back into the classroom and be like, no, I know what it is to struggle and I know what it is to finally have that light bulb that goes off and it does make it quite a difference. But talk to us about what it was like being a student. Like, did you like school? Did you like your teachers? Did you struggle? What was school like for you?
2: Well, I loved school Um, and I definitely came from a, I come from a family of educators. My grandmother was a principal for several years. All of my dad's sisters are teachers. Uh, some of my mom's sisters are teachers. So I come from a family of educators. Um, and so school was always really important, and I love school. Um, and I I didn't, and I went to private school. So that's also kind of different, you know. Yeah,
0: very <laughs> take
2: much. Take that, so. take that, you know, as you will. So no, I didn't go to public school. I went to private school. Um which also kind of has a very different culture, I would say than um, than public school, but I did enjoy it. Like I said, math was just really difficult for me in middle school. Um, whereas like English and writing and the different languages, like I w- that was just kind of my niche. That's where I felt like I fit, um, but math just didn't really click. Um, and so, and it's crazy because it really wasn't until I was in high school where I had it, Mr. Shelton, Oh my gosh, that man like changed my life with math. He taught me three years out of the four in high school. And his whole approach was like, he would spend one entire class period just doing like problems with us. And then the next day we were allowed to work on the problems in class with a partner. It, revolutionary concepts, what? Collaborative learning? And it like, boom, it was like light bulb. It was like things clicked. You know, Um, and so I feel like Mr. Shelton really influenced how I taught in the classroom, just because I was all about collaborative learning, because that's what made math click for me, because it just, it wasn't working. It just was not working before that.
1: (laughs) Well, let's explore this a little bit more, because I know when I would walk by your classroom, and this is one of the huge reasons I wanted to talk to you and bring you on the podcast is, you know, in the last five minutes, when I would walk by your class sometimes and have the last five minutes of my conference and be doing all those like last second teacher things, I would walk by your window. And in the last five minutes where, you know, historically in classrooms, kids are like, it's almost time to go. Like, let's start packing up our things. Like, and I walk by your room and your kids have their whiteboards and they're talking to each other. And they're like, I'm like, dang, what is going on inside her classroom? (laughs) Like they are super engaged. I'm not seeing them pack up. And I know like, it's all like, well, and good. And like, we talk about, you know, have that five-minute takeaway thing and you know but your kids are like really acting that so talk to us a little bit about like inside your classroom how you set that up and, and what you really like purposed for your kiddos as you became this teacher yeah I think
2: that's a really great question and you're not the first person to ask me that um but I think the biggest thing is the classroom culture I'm sure even people who are listening to me now you can kind of tell like you can't see my face um, but I'm I'm entertaining. <laughs> like, I have different voices. I use my hands, and I have a lot of energy. And so I just really try to be a positive force of nature in the classroom, and I really try to encourage students. And I think the biggest difference maker in getting kids to talk is talking with them. Like you know, sometimes as teachers, like you're just like, okay, go talk, choo talk. You know, but get in there, or, like get your hands dirty, get in the middle of the classroom, like talk with kids, ask those questions. Or sometimes I would even, I would grab a student and I would like model what I would want the conversation to look like. You know, and that would be like extra dramatic. You know what I mean? With things like, this is what I don't wanna see. You know, and of course like the kids laugh, um, but they still get the point. And then also model like what I do wanna see, like this is what conversations look like in math class. Okay, it is not time to spill the tea. It's time to chat. Um, <laughs> and like we talk about those things. So I really do think it's just all about like classroom culture and just like you as the teacher, like you're the leader and like you, like you are the example for students. And I feel like if you are that good example, I don't know, it's like infectious, right? Talking's infectious. It can be.
1: So, okay, I'm trying to picture this and I'm intrigued and we're going to go down this little rabbit trail because I (laughs) like it. You have a different type of math classroom in the sense that you're very interactive. You do have those conversations with the kids and it's not what we typically imagine as classroom where you come in and you're like doing problem after problem after problem, you know, and like I model than you do and I'm walking around checking kind of thing. And I got nothing against math classrooms. Y'all are very effective and I love it. But yours is different. So if I come in as a student to your classroom and I am used to the traditional classroom where it's like, okay, I just do, math problems until I hopefully eventually get it. And then we test and then it's time for another like, cause math, God bless it is never, ever ending. Like it's always something new (laughs) and something else. And it's not like reading where I tell my kids, it's like, if you can do this once and get it, then then you're good. Cause all that changes is the stuff you read, but it's still the same concepts. And it's not like that in math. So I come into your classroom and I'm expecting this traditional thing. And then there's you and you're like, and we're going to have these math conversations. So (laughs) in the first few days and weeks of school, when your kids are coming into this like different way of thinking in math, what's that like? Do you see their expressions go like, huh? Question mark? Or, or Or do they feel pretty responsive to it?
2: You know, I think it's all about just like making kids feel comfortable, you know, and I think that's why it's so important in the beginning of the year to make sure that you build relationships with students and like that you're continuously doing that all throughout the year. Um, because, you know, in the first week of school, like kids aren't necessarily going to have those conversations like at the end of class, you know, and so instead, you know, maybe the last two minutes or so we talk about, okay, what'd you do this weekend? What did you do that was fun? Or did anyone see the new Spider-Man movie? You know, and so if you can just get kids even just to talk about like normal life things in your class, it's not that big of a step to transition that into, you know, talking about things that are academic because like they feel comfortable and they feel like that they have a voice in the classroom. And I think that's what's like, I think that's what's really important. And I think that's kind of how you create that culture in class.
1: I'm still really intrigued by this because I'm still thinking of like, you know, just the traditional math classrooms where that's like all you do all day. And like, I just don't envision math classrooms as this place where you're actively building these important relationships that we hear are so critical and so important. So I'm just like, wow. And I'm thinking yeah. back to my math and I'm like, did I ever have a teacher who talked to me about, hey, did you go see such and such movie? And I, I, I'm I just, it's, it's impressive. And okay, here's what I want to know, though. (laughs) So as this math teacher, and you're doing this, like, did you ever feel like, you know, because y'all have so much content, like, I guess we all do, but practice is really, really key. And y'all actually have the benefit of being able to do multiple problems. And it's not just like one big thing the whole day. But as you're doing this, did you ever feel like it's attracted from oh, well, I have to get them to be able to, you know, like, did you ever feel like taking those few minutes to have this conversation subtracted from your kids being able to actually master their content?
2: Well, that's a really good question. And, you know, I feel like we have to remember, like, attention spans. And, you know, the way that I taught definitely differed like, from school to school, because some schools, like, have different expectations for how they want you to run the classroom, right, um, you know, and some schools just kind of give you autonomy to be able to kind of teach how you want to teach, um, but, like, in the first few schools that, like, I worked at, um, it was, I would only ever talk for 15 minutes max, but that's it, like, math lesson done in, like, 15 minutes boom and then like the rest of class is for kids like to practice and to work together so we would do stations or I'd have the kids up and walking around the room or you know I'm like work together don't work together whatever I'm here like I'm walking around asking me for help um and so that's kind of how I would traditionally do my classroom now like the last school that I worked at like they definitely like wanted us to fit in like a bunch of problems in class like I think they wanted us to hit at least 30 problems like if not more um and you know the thing is too is I feel like you can just kind of gauge things like two minutes or even three three minutes like that is not I don't know I'm sorry but that is not a lot of time like I feel like it is fine the last three minutes if you have done at least like a bazillion problems just to talk to people you know or even just at the beginning of class um, and for me too, like the turn and talks, like they can happen throughout class, and oftentimes I would have them do like a turn and talk or a quick write once I had finished teaching like a certain concept, even if that was like the middle of class, you know, and like they're talking and they're sharing, and and I think it's okay. Like I think as teachers, like you should give yourself permission to occasionally let the conversation like be sidetracked. Like I, I love that. I just I don't know. That's my personal opinion. Um, because yes, we have a lot of content, but kids are not going to learn math. If I like, they got to like you, So yeah. like, you have to get them invested in some way. And most of the time it's out of like a sense of like loyalty or it's out of like a relationship with you because I have like a lot of, like, I had a lot of students who are like, miss, like, I hate math, but I like you. So I'll do it for you. And I'm like, fabulous. I'll take it. Right.
1: You know, I love that. I, I just love that. And like I said, I have to play off that just because I've been a math teacher. I've watched math teachers. I remember my own math education and like I got all kinds of mad respect and props for math. Like it's hard. It's, you know, it's one of those like reading, you either really love it or you really hate it. There's never really any meh, it's all right. Like there's no in between it's one or the other. So it's really hard to teach, but um, you definitely have that different approach to teaching it that we don't normally see. So I love that. And I feel like you've kind of like touched on your, your why and your purpose of what you do with these building the relationships with the kids, but I didn't officially ask you. So I want to go back and like, just make sure, like, As you decided, okay, I'm going to be this teacher, I'm going to be in this classroom, like, was that your why with the building relationships? Was it something different? Did it kind of transition into, no, I really want to be relational while I'm teaching math? Can you talk to us a little bit officially about what your why was and maybe how it's changed or not changed over the years?
2: For sure. So I feel like my why was definitely the relationship with students. Um, I feel like the moment I, those bilingual elementary school students. I just felt a calling to teach. Um, and I always told people in my interviews for different teaching positions that it didn't really matter what I taught. Uh, I didn't really care necessarily about the content, if you will, it wasn't I could teach, you know, the alphabet. Uh, it was about being able to like impact kids and teach kids and have relationships with kids. Um, Because I definitely, when I was, like, in the classroom full-time, like, I was super attached. (laughs) Like, those kids were my children. And um, I wanted to be, like, their biggest cheerleader. Um, And especially in math, because I understood the struggle. And one of the biggest things that I always told my students, because I always, you know, kids all the time would say to me, oh, miss, well, I'm just, like, terrible at math. I'm just terrible at it. And I would just be, like, false, false. I forbid you from believing such things. I feel like, because I personally believe like, there's no such thing as being bad at math. Um, it just maybe takes you a little bit more practice than other people. You know, some people, they get it instantly and you know, kudos to them. I was not that person. Right. Um, I, I wasn't, but it's a journey and it's all about just perseverance and not giving up. And, you know, I'm like you, and I would tell people you were on your own journey and like you can't compare your journey to someone else's um you just might need a little bit more time with the material than someone else and there's nothing wrong with that and that doesn't mean that you're less intelligent than that person either so believe it i love loved you know, that yeah and that was my biggest mantra with like teaching math and that was like the biggest thing that like I preached um especially because like kids sometimes too feel like oh well I'm not I'm not like in advanced math I'm not in honors math so they're smarter than me and I'm like baloney I wasn't in honors math do you think I'm dumb no exactly and now mm-hmm. I'm teaching you math so you know what I mean and so I'm like no like maybe they just get the material faster like that doesn't mean that they're smarter than you you know like everyone has their own gifts
1: I love so that that was kind of
2: my biggest why
1: and I think it's awesome and you said you want to be their biggest cheerleader and I think yeah. that's a beautiful way to put it Because especially in middle school, when they come to us with their own self-labels of how they feel, they need a cheerleader because they're not gonna give it to themselves. Like there's they are so hard on themselves with the things that they think that they're not good at or never going to get, you know, and they're really hard on themselves. So I think that it is our job to come and be their biggest cheerleader in whatever subject we. Teach, you know, and I love that. That that's just beautiful wording. So I love that.
2: Okay. Well, like I said, I I agree with you. I mean, I feel like that's like I don't know. I feel like that's most teachers' why. Like, I just don't ever want kids to like limit themselves. Um, you know, and like just like said, being like that positive force and doing fun, like ridiculous things, and giving kids permission to like have fun in math class. You know, I mean, like I have been known to wear a snorkel and an inner tube thank you very much um these things have happened like I have done some outrageous things like I've had a kiddie pool in my classroom I have dressed up as a ghostbuster and had slime like you know fun things have happened in ms Garcia's nice. classroom like you don't know what you're gonna get
1: <laughs> I think that's awesome and especially just again I'm fascinated with the fact that this is a math classroom that we're talking about and these fun things are happening. Um and I like that. I like talking to out of the box teachers who, you know, can go beyond their content to, you know, relate to the students and have fun because it should be having fun too in the journey. So, thank you for sharing that. So, Rebecca you have been in education for a while and there have definitely been some challenging times and then pandemic on top of all the other teaching duties so you've kind of seen it all um what are some ways that in the middle of the well this just kind of sucks um where it's really really hard how do you bring yourself back from that negative vibe back to a place of like, but this is why I love what I do. And this is why I'm choosing to be a teacher day after day after day. What are some ways that you recenter back to your why?
2: Oh, So I think so what I what I do and I think other people do this, um, but especially like if you're first starting out teaching, I would definitely encourage you to do this. I have a huge binder <laughs> that is filled with notes from students, um, drawings from students, sticky notes from students. Like if a student gave it to me, it made it in this binder. Um, and it's very thick, you know, as you can imagine over the past like six years, it's very thick. And, you know, any, and I would do this, like even if like a school day was really hard. I, I would keep the binder in my desk and I would just take it out and I would just open it up and I would just read just like the notes from my students um, because that was like what that was like the biggest encouragement to me I was just kind of like okay like yeah it's really hard today but look at the impact that you had on so-and-so's life um, look at what they wrote you and so like that definitely like kept me going um, like especially like if I had like a hard day. Um, you know, one thing I would say, too, is, um, and I don't know if people talk about this enough, is you really have to take care of your mental health as a teacher, and you have to have boundaries for yourself. Um, like, I don't, I don't like applauding teachers who literally spend, like, five, five hours after work every day working. Um, I, you know, I'm like, no, boundaries. Like, you need to have your own life. Um, you need to do fun things like you need to take a breather like you need to step away um, because otherwise you're going to burn out and even in the midst of like a difficult school year like I can like the people who have worked with me know like I have had my mental breakdown <laughs> like, um, we, and all? Not, like, <laughs> we all do and that's why it's like so important that you know you get support from other teachers like you communicate like what you're feeling and um like with the people who love you and like is that the people at work too and and um you know and I would even say too like know who you are and even if like you're taking these steps to kind of like protect your mental health and um you know like I I would even say like it's okay to step away from like teaching too because it's it's not right for everybody. Um and maybe you'll come back to it like in a different season. Um But I don't know, I and I don't know. Not enough people talk about that. Like, it is okay if you became a teacher and it's really, really hard, and maybe you need to take a step away for a little bit. Um, I feel like maybe more people should do that instead of just getting so burned out that they like leave forever. Um, so I don't know. I think mental health is really important. And so maybe what I said is kind of controversial, but
1: (laughs) I don't know. I'm talking about it. You know, I love that. And that's one of my favorite parts of getting to have these interviews is, you know, this is a safe space where we get to be real and we get to talk about what we were doing in the first place. And we get to talk about the great things about education, as well as some of the tougher things, which is why I always like to be like, how do you reconnect? Because we know it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. And it's really, really, truly not. And you're giving us a bunch of great advice for things to do. And I think, like you say, it's not talked about enough. And the reality is a lot of us um, have those days, but we push through and we push through and we push through like, and teachers, I think are super, super guilty of like, we will pour and pour and pour and pour until there is like literally nothing left of us. Like we have just like killed the existence in essence of who we are because we're just so busy pouring into everybody else that we forget to pour into ourselves. Exactly. Um, And so being real about that, especially, and I think a lot of teachers now are realizing the importance of that even more. Um, And so we're seeing it and it's like now kind of that taboo word of like, Oh no, it's self-care. Like, and you know, teachers will feel on one side or the other, but it's important. And we're seeing, you know, when teachers are dropping like flies, nowadays and leaving like not just leaving the classroom for a little bit but like completely completely like I am right. done with education I want nothing to do with it when we look at why there are a lot of the teachers who just didn't stop to take care of themselves and I right think that's hard exactly for us. so
2: right or, or, or it was just like you know I was just like too much like they couldn't separate uh, leave stuff at the door you know and I'm I'm kind of one of those people like I I love teaching I love students like I hope people who are listening to this can like hear that I have such a passion for kids and um, I got into teaching because I like that's what I'm called to do like I feel like it's one of my gifts and I love it um, but I had a really difficult time with like the mental health aspect of teaching um, and which is what ultimately kind of led me to Stepping away from being in the physical classroom, Um, you know, and I'm glad that, and it was a really hard decision, but I, it was what was best for me because it's like what you talked about. Like when you literally have poured everything and you have nothing left. Yeah. You have no good to to anybody at that point. Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I love to, I'm going to comment on it because I think it's something that teachers need to hear. And you mentioned how you do not applaud teachers who go home and spend like five more hours working on stuff and I will say for myself that took me years years (laughs) I'm in year 14 and it it took me well past probably a decade in before I stopped taking work home and started setting that boundary and like I still take stuff home but it's like Now I have my set point of, no, this is when I'm going to stop and I'm not going to touch anything else because eventually I think as a teacher, you eventually realize like, and I try to tell all my student teachers and interns and just anybody that I meet that's coming into education. It's like, you will eventually realize what you don't finish today. There's always tomorrow. It will still be there, you know? there's a thing called patience and I know feedback being timely is really important, but there's also like, there's only so much of me to go around. Um, (laughs) and you have to set that boundary, especially if you're like, you know, have hundreds of students like we do in secondary school or, and I think about elementary teachers where it's like, oh my God, I don't know how, like you're writing all these parent notes specifically every day of like, oh my God, like wow so i know we all have it on our own level of craziness of all this stuff but we have to have a point where it's like you have a life outside of your classroom and again like it will be there the next day it's okay yes just like That's we tell exactly our kids right. if if you don't finish it's okay like we have more time like you'll get it did you practice today well yeah okay good job like <laughs> it's not going away so.
2: Yeah, I mean that's exactly right, and I just think also too like anyone who's entering the profession, like I think you also need to realize too like uh you also need to under like you have to have a flexible like you have to be flexible, um which is also something like I had trouble with like I am such a perfectionist and <laughs> I'm a perfectionist. And I'm a little bit of a control freak. I'm super type A, and so like I need everything all my ducks in a row. And so like, you know, but things are going to change suddenly, Um, like your lesson plans are going to change suddenly, or maybe there's a fire drill, or you know, admin (laughs) needs you to do something like, you know, you got to be able to kind of like go with the flow and not get overwhelmed by like a lot of change, which can be kind of, which for me, really, oh my Lord, that threw me for a loop with this pandemic, because as someone who doesn't do great with a lot of change, going to be honest.
1: The pandemic was hard. <laughs> like was I think so that's hard, that's hard for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Here, completely change everything you thought you knew what you, you were doing. Yeah, yes. Literally. And now we don't know what we're doing from day to day, but yay. <laughs> like, yeah, no. Oh, yeah,
2: I but, love I mean, that. but I feel like that's like the reality now and like, just go with it. Like not everything's gonna be perfect. Not everything has to be perfect. Um, I think what's most important is that like, you're doing your best. You're not killing yourself exactly, and like, you're there for the kids because the kids exactly. see that they, that you care about them. So,
1: and I think too, like for me and one reason, and I am not type a, like I am as far from type a as whatever I'm type Christy, whatever that is, <laughs> <But> <laughs> I'm just like, go type Christy. Like me, whatever I am, that's not A or B or if it's in a mold, but it's like, man, when my kids see that not everything is perfect for me and I don't always got it all together either, like, I think it gives our students leeway to realize I don't have to be perfect all the time, even though they try, yeah. they try so hard to be perfect all the time. And it's like, could you please just breathe? Could you please just relax? Yeah. It's okay. Um, So I think when they see that in us too, it kind of helps them realize, oh, like even the adults don't always have it all together all the time and that's okay.
0: So
2: oh, 100%, I completely agree. And I love it when I hear teachers, like being honest with kids, because I would have those conversations with students. I, you know, at the beginning of class, I'd be like, Hey, I'm really stressed out today. Or I'm just kind of having a hard time. I'm a little grumpy. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm kind of grumpy. I'm going to try not to be grumpy, but no promises. Okay. Yeah. Like we're all on the same page. You understand where Miss Garcia is at. Okay.
1: right I love it I absolutely love it so I thank you for those priceless gems of advice that I know we all need to hear and I appreciate that you were like not scared to go into the well this might be like controversial because we need to hear it and we need to remember that as educators so thank you so much for that advice and then with that because you've just like given our listeners so much to go off and lots of reminders (laughs) and like yes all of this is gold um I want to give you first an opportunity to just give a shout out to somebody who's been really important in your life and helped you be who you are as an amazing educator and, you know, have all these awesome realizations and just be this, I'm going to call you like a math goofball because... Like weird. That's let's so go. Accurate. Let's yeah. go team weird. Um <laughs> yes. and I love it because math people, that's just not what you would think of. So like no, this is me being quirky too and loving it and embracing that. I think it's awesome. So um who would you like to shout out that's just really made you this amazing educator today?
2: Uh so I feel like really it's two people, you know, for, for the price of one. Um so and both were instructional coaches of mine. So the first person her name is linda kaiser um and she like mentored me my first two years of teaching ever and i just learned so much underneath her um, and she's still a good friend of mine and then the second person is siri ralph um and she's also an instructional coach that i had um, i only had her for a year but oh my gosh like just the amount of stuff i learned from her like i just grew so much as an educator so um i feel like instructional coaches like oh my gosh I their value is just you can't understate it like I yeah god bless instructional coaches thank you
1: (laughs) I love that you say that too so thank you for shouting out some instructional coaches because I think that they do get kind of overlooked or you know they come into our classrooms and we're like but you're stepping on my toes and trying to tell me I'm doing everything wrong. And that's really not their purpose. And they really are helpful when we embrace that. So I love that. So thank you so much. And I know they'll be excited to hear your shout out as well. And the difference that they made for you. And lastly, I know I put it on your promo, but how can our listeners get in touch with you if they would like to connect with you and learn more about any of what you told us, including about this wonderful self-care journey that is so important? (laughs) <laughs>
2: um, okay, so I, you know, I'm one of those people, like, I'm on social media, so, like, Twitter, Instagram, I even have a blog, which is really fun, and I have, like, a bunch of, like, teaching resources on there. Um, I, I, really, that's, like, the biggest wealth of information, I feel like. Go check out my blog. It's on the little promo thingy, um, but yeah, just feel free to, like, message me on social media be happy to help. I have so many resources from all the years that I've taught. So if you need resources or whatever, hit me up. I got you.
1: I love that. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I know you were a little nervous to come on the show, but I hope you've had like a lot of fun and see that this is like just awesome and conversational and teacher talking to teacher like for real chat. But um, I have really enjoyed having you as a guest and I loved hearing your story. And I'm like still picturing you and like the scuba gear in a a kiddie pool in your math classroom. And I'm like, (laughs) man, where were these math teachers when I was growing up? like it just sort of changed things for me. So I love that. And I love you You shared your heart and your story. And I think it's great that education kind of found you. Um, And I know that a lot of our students are better and more confident in math because they had you. So thank you so much for taking time to share your story today. And I hope you had a fun time being a guest and like listeners seriously get in touch with her because she's got really engaging ways to get her kids excited even in a math classroom um doing things a little bit in the non-traditional way but it works so
2: oh,
1: thank, you, well, so thank much.
2: you so much I really appreciate it I had a great time and I appreciate you having me thank awesome.
1: you you're so welcome You have been listening to Our Heart for Teaching where we explore our purpose and our why in the field of education. If you would like more information or to share your own purpose in education, be sure to connect with me on Twitter at A Heart for Teaching. I look forward to hearing from you soon and please tune in to the next episode of Our Heart for Teaching.